three, two. You don't say one. I good. Okay, great. So welcome to Between the Gigs. Uh, I'm Marty Eisenberg. Uh, today, my co-host is Diana Gata. Hey. Hey, Diana. Hi. How's it going? Um, pretty good so far. That's cool. You have a, a bit of a cold. I do. Like. I'm hoping that it gives me a good, uh, uh, attractive podcast voice. It does. Oh, thanks. Get really close to the mic. I'm so close to the mic. <laughs> Closer. <laughs> um... So, Diana is the host of an, a podcast called Femsplained. Uh, Diana, what is Femsplained again? <laughs> Femsplained, uh, as we repeat ad nauseum, is a girls-only clubhouse podcast. It is uh, two queer femme human beings sharing their nerdy experiences as queer women in nerd culture. Cool. Oh, I forgot to ask you in pre-production if there was anything that you wanted to promote. That that would be the podcast, Femsplained podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you did you did it. Okay, great, great. Um, so before we get started, uh, I have some things to talk about. Um, you can catch the Like Minds Trio every Monday at Lifetime Athletic at Sky seven to ten. Uh, Diana, you've been there a couple times. What do it's, you think about it there? It's so lovely. It's like living in what I fantasized was a rich person's life when I was a child. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Yeah, it's it's very bougie and yeah. very nice. It's like where The Good Place, the show The Good Place would be set if it were in New York City. Yeah. In heaven. It's just like a fancy pool and there's jazz being played for you and friendly young fellas bring you alcoholic beverages. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and you can follow us at Like Minds Trio on Instagram. Um, every Wednesday, I'm playing at the Tech Room in 20 Hudson Yards with Bond Music. Uh, this is the new home of Chef Thomas Keller. It's also super fancy, um, but they've got a really great setup for bands there. You know, a nice piano, and every every Wednesday we uh, invite different uh, jazz musicians on the scene to join us. Uh, last week we had Stan Killian, uh, Perry Smith. Uh, my uh, collaborator Rafael Rosa on guitar almost every week um, and it's super fun and if you have some uh, have some notes for us here at Between the Gigs you can email me at info at betweenthegigs.com tell me who you would like us to interview next or if you think that we suck go ahead and let us know keep that to yourself no 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 <laughs> let's not censor them Diana they can say what they feel um, but don't bother visiting betweenthegigs.com because you will not find anything. But perhaps by the time you are listening to this episode in the future, there will be a website. So I don't know. Maybe visit it. See if it's there. It's hard to say. Yeah. I know that when I listen to this, I'm going to check even if I know it's not there. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever talked to your radio personality. Yeah. She's a little bit weird. Oh, did I mention that uh, Diana's my girlfriend? Oh, <laughs> you haven't told me that. Oh, maybe we should have this conversation <laughs> off air. I'll, I'll pass you a note. Okay. So um, today we are going to have a little conversation about the state of popular music. And uh, I, I've been a little on the fence about doing this. Um, and I'll tell you why. I... Uh, there is a I'm I'm trying to create a space for my music obviously and uh, the music that I care about um uh, and I don't want to offend anybody by telling them that their music sucks and that's not exactly what I'm saying but I don't want that perception I I don't think that you win over people by um I think you win over people by being passionate about your own thing rather than you know saying things about things that people like saying uh you know being seeming dismissive of someone else's passions but at the same time i do want to be honest about how i feel and uh, you know i think this could be a productive conversation and uh i've been so busy getting the clinton hill music school up and running for our fall semester that i haven't had any time to book um, a new guest and Diana came up with this idea because I've been venting to her a lot lately about things. Yeah, this is the first time we're having this conversation recorded. 
Um, but we've had this conversation maybe four or five times. We've test drived it a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we both have prepared opening remarks. Um, yes. I haven't heard Diana's yet. Um, uh, yeah, this is a bit of a, a rant. You can find it on Medium. Uh, I believe I titled the article, Pop Music, Is It Cool? Let's Find Out. Um, and I'm going to read it for you now. Okay, here we go. I often talk to Diana about how I think pop music is dumb and how I worry about the shrinking audiences for music that I feel has more intrinsic value. But I'm also aware there are a lot of pitfalls in my argument. To think any one piece of art is better than another one is ultimately subjective, and that feeling of superiority can come from a million selfish factors such as personal biases, insecurities, and unfamiliarity. That being said, it is my job, nay, my calling, to make the case for the music that I feel is extraordinarily important to this world. Music that has been paid less and less attention to by consumers over the course of my life. In vague terms, I am talking about instrumental music. Now let me start my opening remarks by talking about pop music. I don't really think that it is dumb. In fact, there is a lot of music I really like, and I have an enormous amount of respect for pop musicians that dedicate themselves fully to their craft. Tomorrow evening, I'm going to be playing a concert at the Triad. That, oh, wait, that's tonight. Tonight, I'm going to be playing a concert at the Triad that is basically all 80s pop music, and I'm playing with some heavy musicians, Justin Rothberg, Adam Wolf, and Greg Kenna, and it is fucking fun. I've devoted a large amount of my practice, practicing to jazz and orchestral playing. I'm a pretty good pop player, but I acknowledge that Justin and Adam are a little bit better at it than I am, and I'm inspired by their depth of know-how. There is a level of nuance that great pop players have that I find truly amazing. So the first pitfall I'd like to avoid is I don't believe that jazz musicians are better musicians than pop musicians. Um, and I think over the course of history of American popular music, uh, it has served some important functions for society. It is the collected, collective id of our society, the primitive and instinctive components of our personality. Pop music has helped millions of people escape from their anxieties, provided solace from their emotional hardships, created communities of fandoms, helped shape identities, helped shape the conversation about race, equality, and perhaps more than anything else, has created sexual awakenings and freedom from society-imposed repression. Even in the current pop environment, artists continue to break down social boundaries and be a voice for the voiceless. When you look at the totality of these accomplishments, you have to say to yourself, Damn, I mean, that's pretty good, right? And yes, it is. But like any shift in society, there is a negative side as well. In our society, success is measured by how much money something can make. Pop music seeks to write hits. There's varying levels to what that means for individuals. And when I say pop music, I'm being incredibly broad, which maybe isn't helpful to my argument. Kurt Cobain is an example of someone who people just really related to despite his complete lack of care of, for success. Artists do break through and create hits because art really does matter to people. But when you look at our current Billboard pop music environment, the music just feels really stale to me. It feels to me as though everything has been run through a filter to make it as profitable and disposable for mass consumption as possible. Harmonies are simple. Instruments have been mostly replaced with synthesizers, and so many songs have the same buildup and structure. Here's where my argument runs into a wall, though. I am, I am an extremely overeducated music nerd. The arguments I'm making could have been made about the origins of hip-hop, which I do think was a revolution, or the blues, or even jazz at one point. Historically, when Europeans uh, first uh, heard African music, they thought it was inferior based on the fact that the African culture didn't write their music down, and their instruments were made of simpler th things like gourds and stuff. Not the finely crafted European stringed instruments and woodwinds. But now we understand the power of music that comes from an oral tradition. An oral tradition can be more rhythmically complex, like that of India and Africa, because it is easier to learn a complicated rhythm from someone showing it to you than it is to see it written down. So while European music was more advanced harmonically, African music was more advanced rhythmically. So when one examines art, you should look for the things that make it great, and not the elements it does not possess. But what can I say? I have anxieties about the state of music. To cite some statistics, only 11% of people today can read music. Pop songs for the majority of the most famous artists are composed factory style by a bunch of Swedish producer producers and Dr. Luke. Jazz is the most unpopular style of music by record sales, and orchestras all across the country struggle to stay alive. 
Did I also mention it's increasingly impossible for smaller tier artists to earn a modest income because streaming services pay microcents for the fruits of their labor? What's to blame for this decline of musical awareness and proficiency? I'd like to make the case that over the slow march of time, the rise of technology and consumerism, and also the lack of music education in school, we've lost sight of the power of music. Music is an ancient magic. It's developed over thousands of years of human history. We have traditions of music all over the world that each generation would build upon. Each of these cultures address telling the story of their society through different ways, different instruments, different tuning systems, different scales and concepts. At one point in Western cultures, composers, not singers, not movie stars, not billionaires, were the most famous people in the land. But since the dawn of film and entertainment, music has become increasingly subservient to other media. Music is the background setting to support the film you are watching, or the sexy singer you are watching, or the ambiance for us to eat and socialize. Sitting down for an hour-long symphony concert without any media stimulation would be considered boring by many of my peers. Or worse, it would be perceived to be elitist snobbery, and I think that's kind of fucked up, in my humble opinion. Why is instrumental music important? This is a really tough question for me to put into words. I've committed my life to playing an instrument. It's the most important thing in the world to me. In the moments of my life that have been most challenging, I've been able to keep myself afloat by putting my struggles into the instrument. And music has rewarded that effort with some truly beautiful experiences. But why should someone else care that playing jazz is super meaningful to me if they find it boring? It's not an easy thing to convince someone not to be bored by something. But I think my argument comes down to this. We should all seek to find inspiration and motivation from greatness. Jazz is the Olympics of what is physically and mentally possible in music that's spontaneously created. We don't all look like supermodels or even have uh, basic charisma in some cases, but John Coltrane, for example, would practice nine hours a day to achieve, to achieve impossible things every time he was on the bandstand. When artists invest themselves that deeply into music, they are carrying on the, the tradition of their ancestors and bringing more of the magic of music back into this world. They are not simply making Coca-Cola to sell. They are telling us that anything is possible. I could go on, but uh, now let's hear what Diana has to say. Okay. <clears throat> well, I had started writing this after our last uh, after our last discussion. Oh, good. And it seems like you've tempered. I have. Your, you've oh, tempered yeah. your your argument. I've created yeah. defenses for myself. Yes, for you my have. Uh, I so my my opener here is more a response to a argument that's often repeated and isn't just yours mm. is something that I see all the time uh, that classical music in particular um, but instrumental music on the whole is overall better, more important, more complicated and more significant to our culture uh, than pop mu music. Um, but I found that it's most often repeated in particular by people who don't consume pop music in any real capacity and as such have a wide area of misunderstanding about the entire concept. Pop music is not a genre. Pop music is simply what is the most culturally significant music to us in this current time. So when you look at the billboard charts, anything in the top 200 for any genre whatsoever the two top 200 of all the albums sold this year that is the music that is considered what is culturally significant enough uh, to be deemed important music and on there you'll find uh, right as of today you'll find artists across genres and varying degrees of overall popularity you'll have people who pop in and out and people who stay and have lasting impressions the beatles have been on there and have never left mm. um as well as michael jackson is is usually somewhere on there um and then you have artists that come for a short time and and go away and things like that um overall though there is a misunderstanding of how that uh 
that top 200 works. When you don't consume pop music, you are only being exposed to what is the top 20. And when you get into the top 20, that's the things you're going to hear when you walk into a store and it's on the loudspeaker or the 20 seconds that you are exposed to a radio station, you'll hear the same sounds over and over again. You're not actually being exposed to the whole scheme of uh, pop music that's in the top 200. You're being exposed to the very, very skimmed top uh, 20. And that creates a little bit of a misunderstanding. Overall, I think the argument shouldn't exist at all, being that arguing the superiority of two types of art feels to me like we've missed the bus on what art is supposed to be. But I'm taking a defensive position for the most part that pop music is no less complicated, no less important, and definitely no less culturally significant than classical or instrumental music. The one part I will say on the offensive is that art, which includes music, is meant to speak to us. When people consume some kind of art, they expect to recognize it in some way, or they expect it to recognize some part of them. As just a natural progression, classical art forms as a whole society has decided aren't speaking to them. And somewhat as you said, it's speaking still really to a smaller group now, and that's academics which leaves a lot of people out. That doesn't mean that its value is erased or that it doesn't have purpose in the world, but that the average person is not using it to feel comfort or feeling understood by listening to it. And that's where it's kind of lost its meaning. Damn, that was a good, that was a good rebuttal. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, cool. I think that you you have a valid point about um, what we're talking about when we talk about pop music, and and that is it is not a genre; it is literally what is popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right that you know, like I maybe other people that have decided not to you know that don't aren't into it don't listen to it as much, so we don't have as deep of a knowledge of, you know, what turns people on about a particular song or whatever. Although, I, whenever I hear music or when many musicians hear music, like, we just go into it. Like, I'm, I can't, when, if music is on, it's never background for me. I, I always mm-hmm. listen to it. I always find myself immersed in in the different components of it and listening to the different layers of it and stuff. I too become, I I become very distracted if music is on in the background. I can't really focus on another thing. Yeah. can't, I, I, there are some people that that can have like music on and like read a book Yeah, and that's insane to me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I, I don't want to make my, my argument that pop music has no artistic value or is is not without merit i'm not trying to destroy pop music and replace it with classical music or jazz music but i i do beg the question it's like you've the the thing you said was that society has moved away from these things as a source for entertainment or uh connecting to it and that is that's just okay that that happened like that that is something i have i have issues with because i know i can see that you know this music is a tradition that has lasted hundreds of years and been built upon every century developed and you know you're right that it does continue to exist but it's a problem to me that it's not important as important to the culture at large because it's our history and we're in a moment where our society has become um very consumerist and very you know obsessed with 
Like I, I think there's a little bit of a pernicious um, quality to entertainment um, that, you know, when you when you think about marketing, like how we're sold things, like the way that companies sell things to us is by telling us that we're broken unless and we need this product. Like there was a big like like one of the lawsuits against the gun lobby was an advertisement and for a gun company did in which they said get your man card back get a gun if you get your gun you'll get a man card back meaning that because you don't you're not into guns you're a weak man and you need this thing and and sure. and you you get that in other forms of advertising as well clothing like if you don't wear the right clothes if you don't have the right this or that you know and there's yeah, this I was, perception yeah i was a teenage girl right. i i know yeah. <laughs> i know i know what advertising does to people <laughs> you know i i and i get that um i just think that we're taking what y- yes of course there are pop artists and act- actors and actresses and models and uh people who are famous for one medium being used for another that's that's something that's been happening for a very long time and is not new in this country mm-hmm. um it's not new but it, it seems amplified at this moment it's just it's it's just easier because of the consumability of social media yeah you don't even need to be that popular to be influential yeah you know uh, you could be of course on you know rihanna's level and be you know have have influence beyond anything I could imagine, but you could also have, you know, a hundred thousand people who think you're neat and you're influential enough to make some money doing, you know, yeah, s- some advertising on the side. And it's, I think that it's a problem in that some people are willing to abandon you know, any sort of morality in order to get to that level of fame, that, yeah, a minuscule level of, of, um, notoriety in order to make a couple bucks. And, you know, it's not that I necessarily even blame them because, um, it's hard to make money doing anything now at all. Mm-hmm. So if you found something, whatever, but I, and I know that, Sacrificing your morality to make some money is also not a new concept at all. It's right. just something that some people have always been okay with and some people won't be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at the popular you know, artists right now, you see a good mix and it is actually like a reflection of us because it is art. You know, whether or not it's bad art or good art uh, is up to your personal interpretation. But when you look even, like I mentioned before about the top 200 versus the top 20, when you scale down from the top 200 to the top 20, the ratio between what I think is the more generic, more um, less innovative and um, more easily digestible and sometimes even more problematic creators gets a little bit higher, but it doesn't completely eclipse it either. In the top 20, you still have a ratio of what I would call bad artists and good artists. Mm -hmm. You know, you still have Chris Brown up there and you Mm -hmm. still have Drake up there. Um, uh, But that's a reflection of the problems in our society. We still uh, glorify, you know, predators and abusive men and so there's they're going to be reflected in that Mm -hmm. but at the same time we also then have um you know lizzo and lil nas x up there as well Mm -hmm. and you have these uh creators that i think get into this level of this level of popularity and it's a reflection of what we as a cultural collective want to see and I think it boils down to there are three three things that I that I think um get a person that level of notoriety and it's and it's that they either get um fame for what they're saying Mm -hmm. you know uh what their music is conveying what uh who they are 
and why that feels important to us mm-hmm. or how they're doing it. And then I think that the one you describe what you mean by how they're doing it? Sure. So so for so for the um, what they're saying, you have people like Travis Scott it, and you have um, Tyler the Creator, Lana Del Rey, um, Cardi B, and it's it's literally what they're saying that is speaking to people and and making them want to tune in and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, with who they are, it's Lil Nas X and Lizzo. It's you have uh, a woman who doesn't fit what uh, societal norms would tell us should be famous or beautiful, and she's up there doing it. You have Lil Nas X and openly gay black teenager who's you know maybe his music is not something too entirely new or groundbreaking but the groundbreaking fact is that he's the one doing it Mm -hmm. and that speaks to us and that is what makes it art Hmm. with uh with the how they're doing it and this is where you see a lot more of this in the um in the top 200 when you get into the real meat past the top 20 you see people who like uh, the uh, the Algiers who are like um, inventing new genres by pulling from older genres like gospel um, and jazz and updating it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Leah Bertucci who uses um, who uses technology to make music. So the how is, is essentially the craft. The, the, the craft, craft of doing music. it, which yeah. is, I think, something that when you discount um, all of pop music and don't really spend any time paying attention to it, you might be missing the parts that you actually would like as somebody who sure. appreciates the crafting of music. So, yeah. um, uh, so, so right. So, uh, and then Ian, Ian Chang, who you might know, but he's... Ian Ch- the drummer? Yeah, I yeah. went to school with him. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he's, I mean, he's using uh, artificial intelligence to make music. Right, yeah, So, yeah, like, cool. I mean, it's, you know, and um, and these artists are all creating enough of a fan base for themselves that they have earned themselves a cultural significance um, because they're making something that people want to consume and that people recognize and feel inspired by or seen by or changed by. Right. Um, and so I think that those three factors are, are, are what, are what actually go into making like some of these more influential pop artists. Right. Well, a couple things. Um, I would for myself like to make a distinction between the, let's say the top 20, the the stuff we, we hear all the time and the greater genre of or the greater world of of popular music because I, I i agree on on all levels and all genres there are stuff that's breaking through by interesting people i'm i i'm i don't think anyone is of the thinking that if it's popular that means it can't be good i you know i mean there, certainly there are people who feel more strongly one way or the other about how pure they feel about their one thing but you know like Ian Chang went to jazz school. I mean, he's clearly a trained musician. I, I consider like closer peership to him for like jazzers than maybe like the other pop artists that he is in, in this genre with, you know. Um, and the other thing that I just think is worth just something that I think about. I don't. It's 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 another tough line of where that is. But um, our, what we do in music is essentially manipulate emotion, right? I mean, that's, that's the job of a good storyteller, sure. to manipulate one's emotion. And that's the area where I feel most concerned about it sort of lining up with the sort of data mining and like popular culture thing that's happening, because I feel like you know, these people on the top, these producers or whoever, like sort of like know they they they've know what we want and they give it to us. And and that feedback loop isn't 
it's not reflective of like, this is what the culture wants. It's reflective of like, this is how you maintain control of, you know, like, and I know that it, that's, it, it's a little conspiracy theory sounding, you know, and like, you know, it, it's not that you're wrong. Those companies are trying to do that, Yeah, but they keep, they, they, like every other conglomerate in media right now, you see it with, uh, you know, analog television and, and, and these companies that won't let go and update to what we've decided we like now, yeah. you know, they're, they're all going to either adapt or die. Right. And that the music industry is no different right. from that. Have you heard this, um, a quote from the president of, of Disney? I forget what his last name is, but it's something to the effect of like, it's not our responsibility to make art. It's not our responsibility to make history. It's our responsibility to make money. And in the course of doing that, we may make art. We may make history. But that's not our primary objective. Yeah. And, but the entire world is looking at them and, and thinks they're the worst. Like, we've, we've kind of culturally decided that, well, one, screw you. Right, that's true. <laughs> you know, two... You know, they're they're not even Disney isn't even the best creator in their own genre anymore. They're not they're not the best at what they do anymore. Uh, and and they're you know they're having a hard time letting go of that, which is why they won't adapt. And they, I mean, you're you're not wrong in in your argument that like when we uh, you know there is a sort of power of the people thing when we hear these comments like that like that is not the value of americans we as individuals do not say if it needs you know it makes money that's what we want that we say we want to make we want to hear stories that move us and we want to hear art and make history and things like that but i would argue that disney's not on the decline disney's on the rise they're making more money than ever before and and people are, are not boycotting disney because this guy said that thing no this is just one conversation that would be normally heard behind closed doors that we happen to hear you know right nobody's boycotting disney over that but nobody's nobody boycotted disney over their anti-semitism either True, fair. nobody nobody <laughs> nobody cares enough to boycott on a large enough scale but the thing is you can't boycott these companies that are too big to fail mm -hmm. on a large enough scale you can't boycott amazon out of business you can't boycott disney out of business what will happen though is that people are going to care less and less and ultimately the mediums through which we consume things are going to continue to change it's it's going to be hard for Disney to keep up in an environment where everybody is used to having one, maybe two places where they watch all of their content on a streaming service that they have to pay for once a month. To pay for another one just to get only one company's content is something that people are less and less okay with doing. Mm -hmm. They've got a couple more years out of the boomers. But they're, they're going to have a hard time getting newer and newer generations to keep one-upping on this thing. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to adapt or they're going to slowly start to burn out. And with pop music as well, right now on the top 20, which you said you want to restrict the conversation to that, like that really yeah, right. hyper, um, the, the most popular the biggest among hits. them. Uh, two of those artists that are on the top 20 right now may not be from musical genres that you like personally mm -hmm. but were but are from two people who forced their way in without the help of right big time producers so i want to talk more about that go ahead so you you they can set up these walls and they can have that and they can force chris brown down all our throats collectively and metaphorically and mm -hmm. sometimes unfortunately literally um but they can't they can't lock the door and because because now we have access to um, music anywhere, and we can we can forcefully make people popular right. by by what we actually want to hear. Right, and and that's continuously being done. It's harder, you know, for sure to to break past the the walls that those you know artificially popular companies have put up, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, I have some thoughts. I don't, I don't know exactly where I, I'm a little afraid where this might lead, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Go it anyway. It. So like 
you had the example of Lil Nas, and I think that it's a it's a very moving story of a young gay black teen writing songs and like getting acclaim. Um, but, and I think that's an interesting social phenomenon, but like as a musical phenomenon, like, is it, is it earned? I guess is my question. Like, like, you know, like I, I, I grew up with like a young musical virtuoso, um, like in New Haven, his name's Christian Sands and you know, he's, He's doing. He's obviously he's doing well. I mean, he's in Christian McBride's band. I mean, he's he's a jazz musician. Sure. Um, but like the level of talent, you know, is otherworldly. You know, like he could not only could he play anything. Like if he heard something, if he heard a soloist play an idea, like he could play it back exactly you know like perfect note for note he, you know he had that kind of perfection of pitch and of like m- photographic memory to just like and and that's kind of freedom in music to be able to do anything at any second that's that's otherworldly now he'll never have the same cultural impact that Lil Nas has and Lil Nas you know does he have how, what percentage of his album have you listened to? Only that one song. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's where y- you need to stop and, and take a step back. because I suppose. Because I get it. When it's, when it's a genre of music you don't like. It's very hard for it's me. It's not that I don't like. Okay, go ahead. Finish that. It's very difficult for me, for instance. I, there are country artists that I do appreciate. And I know that there is a big cultural significance to country. It's hard for me to make a good critique on it, positively or negatively, because as a genre, I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for me to make a good faith argument either way about most country music. Yeah. It is difficult when you don't consume a lot of it um, to, to make an analysis of it. You can have an opinion on it, but making an analysis of it is difficult if you don't know the source material. But can can I ask I mean it's it's a fair criticism. I you know like I'm kind of talking out of my ass on on a lot of these people. <laughs> but tell me, like Lil Nas, like what makes him talented? Other than like let I, and this is also controversial, but <laughs> other than his like lyrics. I'm talking like from a musical perspective. Can he sing? Can he play an instrument? You know, like th- those are the things that I care about. You right. know, those are the and things that's not that for everybody. Fine, but I, I think that not, it needs to be. Those aren't the ending definitions of music. If you so, if you are really erasing lyricism, well, you're I think, erasing. I, I just want to put that in another box for a second. Okay, if we're erasing lyricism, then you have to take Lil Nas X, who as a teenager took like a couple of sounds mm-hmm. and turned them into a song. Did he write the sounds that we're talking about? What are we talking about? Like it the was mu- a, background a, music? Like it was a, um, a, the first song mm-hmm. was like a, you know, mod podge of sounds and clips and things like that that were turned into like the catchiest song that's been by dropped whom? in a year. By him? By him. So he, he, took, he took source material from other songs and, and mixed them together? Um, so you can, uh, you can find a lot of um, like scrap beats around that people, you know, that, that are just, you know, they're empty shells of mm-hmm. things. And then, but you, if you decided right now to take, you know, a day or two days to clobber around on the internet and try to piece together a song from things that are available freely on the internet. Mm -hmm. If you came up with something as good as what Lil Nas X did, I would be extremely proud of you (laughs) and extremely floored. Because that in itself is a musical skill. It involves having a tonal ear. It involves having a knowledge of what people like and what they think is good and it has a uh, skill in which you can you know 
craft a beginning, middle, and an end out of something that has none of those things. Yeah. I mean, I do agree it is a talent. And I do acknowledge that it's something that I, I couldn't do. I couldn't, I couldn't write a hit with instruments to save my life, I'm sure. You know, that's not what, what my skill set lies. Um, but don't you just think a little bit, like there's something a little bit just less earned about like taking something that exists and, and gluing it to something else that exists and other than like learning how to make it yourself. Like, I mean, I know that's where we are in society, right? You know, we're, and that's what technology does for us, but it, the technology of, of machines that have allowed us to put those two things together has prevented us from learning how to do that. I don't think that at all. I, I think that that's exactly what it is we're learning to do. We're just doing it with updated machines. What are you doing when you're crafting a song with an instrument? You're taking the musical theory that's been discovered by somebody else. Mm -hmm. you're, you're plastering your own ideas over it and you're cobbling together Correct. the pieces that someone else has discovered are what works but to it, make a song. Right, but it's taken me hours and years to know how to do that. I learned how to do that. I sat with my instrument. I learned how to play in tune first. I learned how, you know, th th that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, that's the thing that concerns me, you know? Right. And some people have an, uh, some people have an easier time learning and hearing those things than others. So like some people are going to have a knack Right. Or knowing what goes together, or uh, who have an an aptitude for it, where they just can hear a sound and go, "That's gonna that's gonna make sense," and they can just throw it together. Mm. I don't have that, right? You know, I I would have to work a lot harder, you know, than than probably you know any average person to try to make sounds that that make sense go together out, off the top of my head. Other people, it just clicks and makes sense to them. I'm not one of them. Mm. And that's, I appreciate when people have that as an ability and when they sure. use it. Um, do I think that he's the most talented musician in the world? Uh, probably not. Mm. Uh, I, I think he's still a teenager. Sure. I think that he's probably uh, going to get better and better. But I think he's definitely got some sort of natural ability to have an idea for what's going to sound good and to put it down and make it actually happen. Yeah. I think that that's a skill. Um, and I think then obviously his real skill is what we've left out of the conversation, which is his lyrical right. poetry. And, and that I, you know, he deserves credit for, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just like my concern comes over like where we place value. You know, like, and it's, it's a pie chart, really. Like I, I can acknowledge a certain amount of value in what he does. Um, but society at large places more value on what he does than what, you know, I place value on. Yeah. And that, that concerns me. Like I, you know, I, and I guess every generation of persons that like doesn't understand the the next generation of music. Like music was better when I was a kid, but I'm not even talking about music when I was a kid. I'm, I think that this, I know you're talking about a very specific. This is the thing that interests me too. Yeah, is because and you 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 touched on this a little bit in your in your opening mm -hmm. statement. Um, but when people in general, I mean, with with you, I don't know if this is also the case, but when people in general make the argument about, you know, musical superiority in classical music. They're talking about a very, like, specific time period, I feel like, of classical music. Like, I, I, would you put, like, a, a timeline on, on the music or, like, a, a no, not any sort of definition to what you think is the... I'd say, I think the 1960s was when there was really started to be a slide into corporatization of uh the music industry because prior to that executives were willing to allow artists to sort of take a chance like we don't know what people like let's just make you know let's just make this right like frank zappa like what sure that's weird let's do that you know 
And then at a certain point in the six, late 60s, 70s, executives start saying, we know what people want. People want this. And that's what we're going to give them. Sure. And that's the beginning of this period of, of sort of decline, in my opinion. I get it. I just, I, I find it interesting just because we've talked a lot in the past about, you know, these um, classical instrumentations of music where what was important was the theories they were developing mm -hmm. and the um, the types of composition that they were creating mm -hmm. and and all these milestones that they were making. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that we're, the argument is never that any genres that came before that were like these, you know, that tribal music is inherently better or... Um, no, I love, know, like I love all music. I, I, I'm just... I think that music has a long history and I don't want to like we can never ask a society to go back to something that was before because that's mm -hmm. not how society works. But we can ask them to preserve things from prior societies that we deem important, you know. Well, sure. And we should do that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's still going to speak to the majority of people. It's just not. Yeah. So my uh, one thing I'd like to ask you mm -hmm. is... What are you keeping up with the musicians who are making the genres that you like that are making it in contemporary times? Like what, what, you know, what uh, instrumental musicians are you Ooh, consuming that are making music right now? Because they're out there and they're doing really cool things. They are. Uh, yeah. It's it's not, and you know, oftentimes I find myself on the opposite side of the argument that I'm making. Like when I when musicians get together, we we vent about like how things. <laughs> you guys are. all get together, and just well, of course, you <laughs> know, like because yeah. we're on we're in the course of our careers, and we all want more success and more recognition, and you know, we see the trends are shifting away from the kinds of music that we create, and we vent about it. And usually, I'm the one that's making the case, well, there's still great music being made, you know, like, and, and I, I do feel that way. I'm not saying that there is, that all is lost. Society has, has slid away from, you know, <laughs> great, like it's, it's a pie chart. Like right. there is a percentage of people that are, care about these things a lot. There's a percentage that care about them a little bit. There's this percentage of people that don't know they care about, but it's are sort of gettable, you know? And it's not my, um, mission to, say pop music sucks and we need to get rid of it. It's my mission to expand that little corner of the world that I live in, you know? Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's why I'm a little hesitant about this conversation, but I think it's, it's been fun to, <laughs> yeah. at, at least. Um, but you know, all, all we can do from the out, you know, from, from the outside of centers of power is just sort of pontificate about, how cultures change and why they change and you know what we wish were were different and how how we think we can change it to the small degree that we're able to well i disagree out there i think that what we can do is we can take an active participation role in um our support for the art that we want to see if yeah. we allow these corporations to continue to just but funnel things to us the thing is i'm a, i'm in i'm in a very small minority here you know i i have to convince people who feel the way that you do that the thing I care about is more important than the thing that you care about. Why and do you have to do that? Because well, th I think that's, it's, I think that's important too. Well, okay. You, you I, do. Yeah. I do think that, that jazz, that classical uh, is, is still very important. I just don't think that it, as it has already been created is speaking to me. I think that there are people out there that are creating it now mm -hmm. in ways that do speak to me. Sure. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't, when I have a bad day, like, I don't feel comforted by Tchaikovsky. Right. He doesn't soothe right. my heart. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so there, there are things that are, you know, lacking. I still respect what has been done. Yeah. And note how influential it has been in into where we are now but um but it's just not actively doing that um so how do i change that you should be directly supporting 
the artists that are making music that you want as a consumer. Hear. I should be supporting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very small thing I can do. It's not that small. Do you know how influential like, you can um, you can directly influence by just loaning your uh, your voice of support to a small artist? I think I think that especially today with social media, um, the amount of influence that each individual has uh, over the direction of things has actually gotten bigger, not yeah. smaller. Um, so somebody tuning in right now who wants to support an instrumentalist, uh, band or artist and doesn't know where to find that stuff because it's maybe not as uh, accessible, just give them one name, some one person that they should check out, go and look up and, okay. and consume the art of. Well, um, I think trying to go as current as possible but i'm gonna robert glasper is an incredible pianist who bridges the gap between um playing sort of r&b in a in an instrumental fashion and taking it to really complex and, and beautiful places thundercat um kamasi washington uh taishan sori he's a little bit more out there but an incredibly talented and um, interesting character. Um, Knee Body, really fun band. Um, yeah. Cool. And uh, I'll throw out that you should be uh, listening to and supporting Black Violin, which are maybe the coolest group of dudes I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, uh, classically trained violinists who... I don't know, rock harder than than most people on the top two hundred right now. So yeah, that's who I would cool stand for. All right, this seems to feel like a satisfying place to uh, to call it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've done it. Uh, <laughs> uh, go online and vote for who won some somewhere. <laughs> Find a place. I don't know. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, I we will be back soon and have yourselves a lovely day. Bye.